This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor David here with you on this Thursday, or whatever day that you're listening to this on, or whatever means you're listening on, man. If you're listening on the radio, we are so glad to, to be doing this together today. If you're listening on a podcast or on your device, man, thank you for jumping in, pressing in. If it's your first time, what we do is here on Morning Breath, on this show that is awkwardly named, but <laughs> appropriately named, we read a chapter of the Bible together, usually Pastor Dan or Pastor uh, Matt, and then they have a host uh, read it with them uh, separately. I'm fumbling all over the place. You read a chapter of the Bible the night before, we get up, come to our studio, we read it morning of, boom. We let the Spirit of God breathe on us as we talk about it. Spirit also means breath in the Old Testament in the Bible. So we named it Morning Breath. But however and whenever you're listening to us, we're, we know God's still going to move and he's still going to speak right to your hearts because he's a loving father. So I'm in the studio today. Pastor Dan's out and I'm super excited because I have a co-host today who is absolutely amazing. He's probably going to sit here and turn red after all the nice stuff I'm going to say about him. He's an amazing husband, amazing father, man, such a wonderful, wonderful family member of mine, my brother-in-law. My best-looking brother-in-law, too. I hope the other one's listening right now. And, man, Pastor Mark Cook. How you doing, Mark? Good morning, buddy. Man, I tell you what, you crushed it Sunday preaching. Oh, well, thanks. I didn't. I haven't heard yours yet. Uh, me neither, but I'm sure you did better. <laughs> like, man, not that it, you know, man, I just, man, the young adults were texting me, and they were saying, Mark's message, Pastor Mark's message was phenomenal. I can't wait to go back and listen to to, to more of it. But just reading their their quotes and everything, it's, you could tell, man, you, you definitely brought brought it. So that's exciting. So I tell you what, uh, talking about bringing it, can you uh, tell the people how to jump in and connect here on Morning Breath? Yeah, we want you to join us. We want you to read along uh, with us so you can know what chapter we're in. If you go to our app, download the East Coast app, go to the podcast button, and there you will find the link to Morning Breath. Uh, not only will you find all the shows on podcasts, but you'll also find the Morning Breath guide, which will tell you what chapters we're in, where we've been, where we're going, so you can read along and be prepared. You can also find that information on our website, eccc.us, under the media button. And then you can also call the office if you need to, 321-452-1060, and we can email or mail you a Morning Breath guide. Also use the app and the website to uh, link to our YouTube page, uh, watch past sermons, find out all the things that are happening at East Coast Christian Center. Uh, This is a great way to be connected to us. Come on, absolutely. I tell you what, we have uh, some really cool events coming up here. One of them is Christmas on the Parkway. If you're new to the area or don't know a lot about it, Christmas on the Parkway is December 6th. And we pretty much turn our Merritt Island location into a winter wonderland. And we bring snow in, and we have a lot of fun. They have snowball fights, the kids do. And we have games and activities, and it's just a really great time to celebrate the holiday season and Christmas. And uh, it's December 6th on our parkway on our Merritt Island location, and that'll be from 6 to 9 p.m. on December 6th. So bring your friends, bring your family, come on out. It's going to be a great time. Yep, we also got Thanksgiving uh, right around the corner on us, so just letting you know, Thanksgiving, November 28th, enjoy that with your with your friends, your family. Give thanks, and uh, keep in mind the offices will be closed, so if you need us, we will not be available that day. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, let's jump into this chapter. We're going to do 1 Corinthians 8 today, and uh, there's only 13 verses. Yeah. So do you want, do we even, do we want to split this? I I yeah. read like a Neanderthal, so I might just see if you want, do you want to read the whole thing? 
Uh, I can, or if you want to just split it down the middle. Let's can... split it. Okay. I guess we'll split it at verse 7. Yeah, so you, you read the first six, and I'll pick it up at 7? Uh, yep, sounds good. Man, if you're first time listening, you're like, wow, these guys weren't joking. They really do just come into the yeah, studio we... and talk about it. Well, it's real. I mean, we want you to know that you can just sit down and read your Bible and let the Holy Spirit move. And uh, not that we haven't read it at all. We read it, you know, before we got here. Um, at least most of us did. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you get in here, and, and you, you read it on the air, and you let the Word of God begin to speak to you. So we want you to experience that. So what we do is uh, we take turns. So I'm going to get you started, Pastor David. I'll say unto you, read, sir. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet he has ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things and we for him, of whom are all things and we for him, and the one Lord, Jesus Christ, the whom are all things, through him we live. Verse 7 However, there is not in every one that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Amen. 13 verses. Man, does Paul go after something that's super relevant today, was super relevant 2,000 years ago, and I think it will be until Jesus comes back, as long as there's believers on the earth. And believe it or not, this is a very, very clear depiction of the tension of grace. Yes. And you can feel it in families. You can feel it in churches and communities. You you can hear it. If you've been around the church Big C long enough, they're like, oh, look at that church over there. They they come in wearing board shorts and flip-flops. They've got no respect for the Word of God. They read the message translation. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. And then you have other churches that might be like, well, we honor God. We come in with a suit and a tie, and we read only King James, and we have reverence. And, you know, and then other people are like, look how stiff and judgmental and religious. And it's like, hold, pause, like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's get something out of the way. We all are smarter than we think. We all have knowledge. But that just puffs us up. It's like if we really want to be focused on what matters, we need to be loving because loving edifies or in other translations will say love encourages. Because when you go through the filter of your own personal knowledge, you become the inspector of this world. You become the inspector of your kids. You become the inspector of your, your spouse. And you're not called to be their inspector. You're called to be their father, their mother, their teacher to, to build them up. And, and honestly, if there's one person that really – I can get along with a lot of people, but it really I really struggle um, dealing with people that are constantly uh, criticizing stuff. People with a critical spirit about them, um, they just annoy me. 
And I'm like, man, and that's kind of what Paul's saying. is like, let's not get a critical spirit about this. Let's make sure that um, no one's dumb here. We all have knowledge. But let's get to what matters here. And then he starts unpacking. And I'll just say a little bit more, and then we're going to punt it over to Pastor Mark here. Is he, uh, he really is walking a, a, a line here where he's showing them that, hey, there is only one God, even though that there's people say there's only, he goes, we know that there's only one God and that food will not spiritually connect you to God, nor will food disconnect you from God. So he's showing there that he's trying to make it clear that this church in Corinth, who is known to be super spiritual, but in all the wrong ways, he's saying to them, hey, you can't eat anything to get you closer to Jesus. You can't eat anything to, to make you go farther away from Jesus. There's only one God. This whole idol stuff, it's it's not it's not a spiritual game anymore, guys. Let's let's make this clear here. Um, our pursuit of God has nothing to do with food because he didn't want them putting a law on themselves of eating would somehow make them more or less righteous. And we find that that is absolutely absurd. So he does that, but then he, you know, he moves on to other stuff. But what, what stood out to you, Pastor Mark? Well, one of the things I was thinking is just, I'm thinking about the person who maybe is reading their Bible for, uh, maybe, you know, they're new. They're new at reading their Bible, because one of the things that we talk about is, you know, hey, if, you, if reading your Bible is a struggle for you, and it is for a lot of people because they don't know where to start, we encourage them to listen to Morning Breath. So if that's you, and you're going, what is this even talking about? You know, we're talking about Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and the Corinthian culture was a pretty wild culture. And so you had, uh, you know, Christians establishing a church here, um, but then you had the Corinthian uh, pagan beliefs. You had all the all the gods and goddesses that they had going on there, and they were sacrificing uh, to their gods and goddesses, and then, of course, they would eat that food. And so the tension arose, well, if you're a Christian and you, and you worship God, how can you eat food that's been offered to an idol? Uh, and Paul's trying to clear that up in this culture. And so uh, we can look at this and go, well, you know, we don't do that. When's the last time you cut up a pig and and sacrifice to some, you know, statue. And that's, exactly. But the point is not that specific thing. That was what was relevant to them. But the point is, when we do life in the surrounding culture that we live in, how do we do it in a way that honors God uh, when the culture around us maybe isn't doing that? How, Come on. how can I sit and hang out with you if you're doing something quote-unquote sinful? Well, you call yourself a Christian. How can you be around him? Well, if I'm not around him, how's he ever going to hear about the Word of God? Yep. Right? And so you can't let the habits of a culture drive you out of that culture. Otherwise, how will you minister to them? Yep. But by the same token, then you've got people who are on every point on the spectrum. You have people who they totally get it. Look, this idol isn't even a real thing. There's only one God. He knows me and I can eat this food and I'm not worried about that. Like you said, it doesn't drive me further away from God. It's, it's indifferent. It's irrelevant. But there's another believer who maybe is new in the in believing, and he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand, and, and they see you as their, maybe their spiritual mentor sitting down and eating something that they know was offered at the temple to, to Diana, right? And so they're thinking, how you're, you're my pastor, you're my leader, how can you be eating this food offered to idols? And so now they're all you know broken up about it because they don't understand if you worship God, how can you eat food that was offered to something that was not God? And so he's saying, look, if, if that's the case, you as that as someone who's leading others spiritually have a responsibility to consider that in your actions. And I think that we forget that a lot of times because I've heard <clears throat> I've heard the conversation multiple times. And I know this is probably where you're planning on, on headed with this eventually, David. Um, I've heard this conversation multiple times. I have the freedom 
really, and in, in, in Jesus, we have the freedom to do all, most things. Um, we'll get into this later, and when we get into chapter 10 in, in a couple of days, talking about how we have, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. We have the ability to do a lot of things if we're led by the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us peace about it. The Spirit will never lead you in contravention of the Word of God, uh, but you do have the freedom to do things like, you know what, I know God's my God, and so I can eat this steak, and who cares uh, what it was what it was offered to. But if I do that with the knowledge, David, for example, that you are you are bothered by it because you're not in the same place I am, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the freedom to just do whatever I want and go, well, you know what, dude, you just need to grow up and deal with it. And I'll tell you this, if that's your attitude that, you know, so-and-so needs to understand that they have freedom, and since they don't ever understand that, I'm not going to be restricted by that. In that situation, you're actually the one that needs to grow up. Amen. And that's, that's the truth, because you're demonstrating a spiritual immaturity by saying, you know what, that other spiritual immature person just needs to get with the program. No, they don't. They need you to love them where they are mm-hmm. and, and maybe lead them to understand that they have freedom that they don't know that they have right now. But if you just run over them, you're not loving them well. And the, the law that we're called to follow now is not the Old Testament law of this and that that you have to do right or wrong. It's to love. Come on. A matter of fact, man, I want to jump in on that. I am not a dry pastor, and I found over the last seven years uh, of noticing this topic when it comes to drinking that some believers now will actually exclude their friends because the friend had the personal conviction to not drink, not have a glass of wine or not have a beer. Now I'm not talking about alcoholism, people. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about that. And they would say, well, hey, this person does this, so we can't invite them to this. And and in my heart, I'd be like, well, then maybe we shouldn't do this. Because if you're a believer and you're not inviting somebody because you would rather partake in something that you know like that, I really want you to slow your life down and really look at where your value system is. Because when I get to the kingdom of heaven, um, I want to know that I gave it my all. And excluding somebody because they they you know they don't partake of something with you like like that, I almost believe is just as bad as doing that in front of them because I would never want to 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 uh, cut a relationship out with somebody. You know, most of the times when I when I am enjoying life and, and doing whatever, I want to be around other people. Yeah. So and that's don't think don't think that's another lie the devil likes to put out there. It's like oh well we're doing the right thing by not inviting Johnny because Johnny doesn't drink. Well, maybe you shouldn't be drinking in that situation then. You know, yeah. if if you're cutting your friend out that doesn't drink or whatever, then whatever whatever applies. Um, I, I'd like you to look into your heart and understand. You know, think how valuable is that to you? I know that um, also when when it, what Paul's pointing out here towards when it comes to grace is that grace. How I many? I'm a, I'm actually gonna get, let me have a step back. I used to be a boxer. Used to love it. Okay, and when I would box. I would love when it would come fight season because things didn't happen in my life in fight season. I didn't eat whatever I wanted. I didn't do whatever I wanted throughout the day. Um, I made sure I got plenty of sleep. I worked out every single day. I ate very good because the fight was coming, and we knew that. And honestly, guys, we're in a fight right now, mm, and we need to live good. that way and be thinking that way and not be thinking off, um, man, any other thing besides, hey, I need to be doing in my life what is going to produce the fruit of righteousness in That's my good. life. Yeah. All right. Not if you have any other filter on how you do and conduct yourself, man, I would I would take a step back. I, I look at my I have a I have so many kids, I can't even keep track of all of them. <laughs> uh seven, a six, a something and a something. And I look at them and I'm like, man, and what am I doing now? Is that gonna put something on them? 
am I doing now? Is that going to hinder me from from being a father, from being a husband, from being a pastor? You know, and if it is, then I'm not going to do it. And Paul's now even saying, and believe it or not, if that's going to hinder somebody else, then don't do it. You see, because the lie is that we can be solo Christians. There's no yeah. such thing as a solo Christian. God did not just go to the cross for you and you alone and everybody else can just go live their own story. This is his story in our time and what we do with it. And we are called to do that story together. Yeah. So it's important how we interact together, and he's really chiming in on this. Well, and I love what the, the kind of the picture you're painting of grace there. The great, the purpose of grace. See, we we can, especially if we come up religious. We because I came from a denominational background, and so grace wasn't really a big part of my life until I you know began to understand the gospel better. But a lot of times we see grace uh, when we, we get that freedom. We go, oh, you come out from this religious background, you go, wait a minute, I'm not under all this law, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to live under all this religiosity and, and all these rules. Then sometimes you maybe go a little crazy with it, yep. and you start doing all— and, but, and then you misunderstand grace, because the, the purpose of grace is not for you to just do whatever you want. And, and sometimes—and Paul even had to address that. You know, do we just live however we want because we have grace? No. no. But the temptation is there because you go, oh, wait a minute, I don't feel— the judgment that I used to feel when I was in, you know, my old group of people, and they were super religious, and, and I could never do that thing. Now I'm out from under that, and I'm going to just engage in it, because, mm-hmm. hey, I, I finally get to. And it can almost be not from, uh, I want to do this and experience something fun. It's, there's, there's some rebellion in it, because you're pushing back on what you, what you used to feel like you were under. Right, and so your your maybe your sub motive is I'm gonna I'm gonna show them that I'm free, right? And that's the wrong that's the wrong picture of grace. The picture of grace is to go, hey, now you're free to worship God without condemnation. You're free to to do life uh, for the glory of God w- without being sin conscious. But if we're using grace as an excuse to do things that we've always wanted to do, that's not really the right reason, and that's not really what the purpose of grace is. The purpose of grace is to free us to love and associate with whoever we need to, to in order to communicate to them what the real gospel is. And that's why it says in verse 13, you were talking about this, you know, if, I'm, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never again eat meat, unless, lest I make him stumble. My concern isn't, oh, I have the grace to eat meat now. You have also the grace not to offend your brother. Exactly. And that's what grace should really be used for. I have the grace to love somebody well and not offend them. And don't get hung up on what the action is. Get hung up on what the freedom to love is. Right. And that's why he opened with it. That's why he opens with, hey, this isn't a knowledge thing. This is really a love thing. This is really a how are we going to do life together kind of picture here. When we talk about grace, grace is meant to empower you to fulfill the will of God in your time. Yes. All right. That is what grace is there for. You will, you'll be, you'll have so much anxiety if you think you have to make every decision right. Otherwise you're going to be letting God down. Mm. Or if you step out, man, or if you step out and you make a mistake. Now keep in mind, he's paralleling this to food. Now food, he's saying food in the temple. He's not saying sexual immorality in the temple. He's saying something that's a, a normal for believers. Something eating is not a, a sin. So don't translate this over. I can now sin liberally as I want because I have grace. Um, and that's what Pastor Mark is saying too. On no level does he make the parallel of, well, we can kind of free to sin as we want. And like he said, how it says, I believe it's like in Romans 7 where he goes, yeah. no, you do not have that you know, right. Matter of fact, I would like even to say is like, um, search me, O Lord, you know, create me a pure heart. 
as David would cry, I believe that's Psalm 51. And that's what our cry needs to be. That's not a, a religious law now. Now I want to feel convicted when I'm stepping outside what God wants me to do. And it's hard to explain to other people. It's hard to rationalize that with other people. And that's why when we get around them, they'll see the difference when it's from a love perspective rather than a law perspective. Yeah. You see, because they saw the difference in Jesus, right? And Jesus was bold enough and was received on such a level to look at a tax collector and look at sinners and say, hey, I'm going to your house for dinner. You know, I couldn't imagine if someone came to me and said, I'm going to your house for dinner. I'm yeah. like, I hope you like Little Caesars. You know, like, uh, and, and he would do that. And then he would be well-received by this community. Yeah. And why? Because he came from a love perspective. He came from a love perspective. And that's why I want to challenge you today is that, man, if, if you're not doing something because of fear of religious punishment, you have the wrong perspective. Yeah. And if you're indulging in something because you feel like you have this, like, uh, I don't know, um, hippie-style Jesus grace all over the place, man, I love you, but you got the wrong perspective. Yeah. So you want to get that Bible-based, Holy Spirit-centered love perspective. And I think some people lose track of the idea that you're a leader. Come on. Um, you know, you think, well, you know, I'm looking around, and my goal is not to lead—my goal is not to lead other people. And you just—you made this point about not being a solo Christian. I think sometimes we get in the mindset, I'm not a pastor, I'm not running a church, I'm not leading uh, anything on a, on, a, on a team at church, I'm, I'm just—you know, I'm just doing life by myself, I can do whatever I want. No, if you—you you are called to be someone who is a minister of reconciliation. We all have that calling, and we all have that call on our life to minister reconciliation uh, of the world to God, to let the world know that their sins are not being counted against them, and that, and that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling them to himself. That's what we're called to do. And I, I love this, um, uh, Chip Ingram, I, uh, if you're familiar with him, is a great pastor out of California. He said this once, and it stuck with me. He said, even if you don't think you're a leader, you're still the best Christian someone knows. Yeah. And so your, your, your call in life, your job in life— is is to be someone who lives a life that that sets an example. Even if you don't think anybody's looking, someone's looking. Like you said, David, even if you weren't a pastor here, even if I wasn't a pastor here, we have kids that are watching everything that we do. Amen. We have, you know, and then and, and even more so in the role that we have, we have people that are watching what we do. And our goal should not be, how can I get away from all these people who are watching me so I can go do what I really want? Our goal should be, how can I demonstrate Christ to everyone who's watching me? Yep. And And if that's what we're doing, then we're functioning in grace. Come on. You know, and we're helping people to get free. And it says in verse 7, it says, in everyone, there's not the knowledge of God. There's not the knowledge of the love that God has for them. We know in verse 6 that there's one God and one Father, of whom are all things, and there's one Lord Jesus, and through him are all things, and through whom we live. And then he goes in verse 7, he says, but in everyone, there's not that knowledge. Um, and he's talking about Christians. For every Christian, yep. they don't fully have that knowledge, and they haven't fully connected to what the gospel is. And so how we live sets them up either to begin to have an, a, a better view of the love of God for them, or it sets them up uh, to stumble and fall because they haven't gotten there yet. And it's our job to help them get there, not to point out what they do or don't understand. Come on. You know, it's by, by how we live. Well, you just don't understand why I'm allowed to do this. Hmm. No, you don't understand that they need your help. Yep. Or, or we slap a label on them. Yeah. And I don't know how in Christianity we started comparing our spiritual journeys to uh, a swimming pool mm. and that you're either the deep end or the shallow end yeah. or something like that. Uh, I actually think we're more like the pools at like Wet and Wild where it has weird deep ends and shallow ends <laughs> in different areas. And uh, so it's like if someone can't do something that you can do or they're convicted by it, then we say, oh, well, 
when you get as deep as I am with your walk in Jesus, yeah. it's like, what? Come you, on you now. Just, if, you, if that's your thought process, you're Come. standing on the zero entry point. Exactly. You're, you're <laughs> in that first part of the chapter where he's like, uh, guess what? This knowledge puffs up. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're still Shalwin believers, so they can't go out and get drunk with us tonight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. You know, yeah. let's check our heartbeat here. Let's not go slapping labels on people, man. The, the person the Holy Spirit is refining is us. Yeah. So we have to keep that in mind that that we're we are a continued work. We're gonna walk out with fear and trembling. But talk about walking out. Don't you walk out? We're gonna be right back. We're gonna um, take a moment here and listen to some stuff. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. East Coast Christian Center would like to invite you to join us on a ten-day Israel Bible study tour led by co-pastors Dan and Matt Staubaum. The trip will take place March 9th through the 18th, 2020. The total cost is $3,995. For more info or to register, sign up at eccc.us slash Israel trip. For over 30 years, CB Plumbing has been a family-owned and operated business that is dedicated and proud to serve the Brevard County community. CB Plumbing covers both drain and sewer line cleaning for commercial and residential. CB Plumbing, for all your plumbing needs. 321-783-6000. That's 321-783-6000. Customer satisfaction is their guarantee. Take this year with God at East Coast Christian University to truly understand why and how to continue your destiny and walk with Christ. Earn your associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree. Our instructors are experienced, helpful, and show a genuine love for studying the Word of God. East Coast Christian University is located at 670 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. For more information, our number is 452-1060, extension 131. And our website is eccuequipped.com. For 30 years, Cabern Air Conditioning has proudly served the Space Coast area. Honest, professional, and reliable, and customer satisfaction is their top priority. Whether it's repairs, maintenance, or it's time to upgrade your old system, Cabern Air will take care of it. 321-784-0127. That's 321-784-0127. Or visit them online at cabern.com. Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Breath. All right, well, we are super excited to be back. And as we're closing out here, 1 Corinthians 8, myself and Pastor Mark, I just want to say this verse 11 says, And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died. I love that part of Paul's perspective is that Christ went to the cross for everybody. Yeah. And he didn't look at anybody. He, he valued every person, whether it's shallow end or deep end or however you wanted to label them, which I think is silly. He labeled them with, that's a person Christ died for. Yeah. And that was what he led with. That's a powerful thing. Well, and the important thing about that is it talks about knowledge, you know, and it says back in verse one, knowledge puffs up, 
knowledge, and we get caught up a lot of times in what we know, and really it's what we think we know. What we think we know causes us to maybe get a little conceited, causes us to feel a little proud, um, and that, that's where there's a lot of danger because that's when we're not leading people well. We're, we're more focused on our knowledge and what we think it gives us rather than the people that it's impacting. But it says, if, it says next to that, knowledge puffs up, pups, I'm sorry, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So if we're walking in the new covenant law of love, our goal is not what do we know, it's who are we loving? Who are we showing the love of Christ to? The Bible says if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. That's what we should be focused on. Not what thing we know, but who knows us and whether we're edifying people with his love. That's really what though. That's what the commission of grace is for, is to edify people in love. So go out and do it. Go out and love people well and know that you're loved by God. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.